Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of the Define University podcast. And in this episode, we are diving into what I call five lessons that I share with any educator. And in all honesty, part of me wanted to call this episode, uh, you know, lessons learned from my first year of teaching or tips for new teachers. But when I really sat down and thought about what I wanted to share with you today, those just didn't feel right. Those didn't seem to have the impact that I was looking behind the, the intention and purpose of this episode. Because in all honesty, the lessons I'm gonna share are for all educators, any educators. These lessons apply to teachers, paraprofessionals, related service providers, administrators. They even apply to parents. So maybe in thinking through this, maybe we can just call this a life lessons episode because at the end of the day, these lessons that I'm gonna share truly have impacted not just my life as an educator, but my life in general. So let's go with that. How's that sound for you? So and all and and other thing to add to this is I got this idea from all of you. I've had so many of you reach out over the past month or so asking, you know, how how to start a new job on the right foot or how to interview for the position. And I talked to educators heading into their first year, and I've also talked with administrators starting year ten. And through all of these conversations, I noticed that I kept sharing a lot of the same thoughts and the same tips and recommendations and the same questions. And it hit me. It really doesn't matter if this is your year one or if this is year 20. These are lessons for everyone. And when it comes to this concept of new, of being a new teacher or entering into a new role, what I want to share with you is that the only reason something is new is because we haven't done it before. That's it. I think the concept of new tends to be something that we overcomplicate or something, or sometimes we even use it as an excuse or a coping mechanism. Yeah, I went there and here's why. Because I did that for years. I used the new factor and I have new in air quotes there. So, you know, so many times in my life. I don't know how, but that's okay because I'm new. I'm not as good as her yet, but it's okay because I'm new. I'll ask for help and, and it'll all be okay because I'm, you guessed it, I'm new. Now I'm not saying not to ask for help. And I'm not saying to not say that you're new. What I'm saying is don't let that be the reason or the thing that holds you back. Don't let the word new, a simple three letter word, be the barrier that holds back your greatness. You are great today and you will be great tomorrow. And how do I know that? Because you are you and you are exactly what the world needs. So kind of without even realizing it, I think I've definitely covered the first life lesson. So to recap that, it's don't let the word new hold you back. New is simply an adjective that you can use to describe something. It does not have to have anything to do with the value that you hold as an educator or in all honesty, as a, for a person, <laughs> for, as a person for that matter. 
You are exactly the teacher that your students need you to be. Trust in that every single day. The second lesson I'm going to share with you is get out of shouldville. And the sooner the better. You knew it was going to come up, right? <laughs> Hopefully this is no surprise to you, but shouldville is a place that we so easily visit and we often live there for way too long. So what is shouldville? Shouldville is a place that we go to when we do something because we think we should do it or we think we have to do it or because we need to do it. All in all, when we do that, we are doing things for someone else. And while that might be true, the decision has to come from me. The decision to act, to say yes or to say no, to do this or that is a decision that I realized for so long that I wasn't owning. And without owning those decisions, without owning the decisions I was and wasn't making, I wasn't truly living into who I was and who I wanted to become. And the downside is that when things didn't go well, I quickly blamed someone else. But when things went right, it still didn't feel good to me because I wasn't necessarily doing it for me. I, I squashed the celebration, if you will. I didn't allow myself to really congratulate and celebrate because in all honesty, it didn't feel like I was doing it for me. I was doing it for someone else. So they should celebrate. They did, they did well. It wasn't about me. And, and so with that, I share with you, get out of Shouldville and instead use language such as I choose to, I get to, I'd love to do things for you. Recognize that everything in front of you that you have right now is because you said yes at some point or another. And yeah, for everything I've said yes to, I've said no to something else. But that's the beauty in learning how to make a decision with confidence. It's the beauty of knowing that a decision is simply a decision. Instead of struggling between did I make the right decision or the wrong one, I simply trust that I made exactly the decision that was necessary. And if it doesn't end up like I thought it might, great, perfect. I actually embrace that because that is what growing is all about. See, if my decisions don't lead to twists and turns, ups and downs, peaks and valleys, then I don't know what's possible. I don't know what's out there for me because I end up living in this straight and narrow path. And I've learned over time that while that's comfortable, it's also boring. So I say break through the boring, break through the comfort and start to do things because that's what you want. Put yourself at the top of your podium and recognize that a decision is simply a decision. And any decision you make is going to be better than no decision at all. Because no decision means that I'm stuck. And a decision means I'm moving forward. And once your momentum is moving, that's when we need to watch out. That's when I say, watch out world, your, your ignition has been, has been lit. You are ready to go. You are impacting the world by the actions that you are taking. So life lesson number three, we've got two powerhouses so far. Let's keep this going. Number three is you've got to know your own behavioral beliefs and bias. And, you know, I shared a lot about this in my recent workshop that I had called breaking down your behavioral bias. So I'm going to highlight it here. We all have bias when it comes to behavior. We all naturally have judgments and make assumptions when it comes to behavior. Some variables that might impact us. Well, our own personal experiences, our education, meaning how we learned, what school we went to, what our professors taught us, our own childhood. 
our own reactions or understandings, responses to gender, to race, you know, and some of those are pretty deep. But there's other things that impact our beliefs about behavior. Things like, did I sleep well last night? Am I hungry? For me, a lot of, sometimes it's, did I have my coffee in the morning? Did I have my me time? Bottom line is there are behaviors that we may believe to be inherently good or bad, positive or negative, expected or unexpected. And the challenge that I, that I put there for educators is to recognize that how I define behavior is simply how I define behavior. My definition is mine. That is, that, is a, that is a central foundational anchoring component. But if I don't realize that you have your own definition and somebody else has their own definition and this parent has theirs and that staff has theirs, then I'm making this global generalization that's actually going to hurt me rather than help me. And see, when I was first in the classroom, even though I thought I was comfortable with behavior, I quickly learned that I wasn't. And when I was a little more comfortable, I realized that the people in my family or my close circle of friends that weren't educators, they weren't. They didn't understand why the behaviors were happening in my room or why I had the scratches or the marks. And what I also didn't realize is how much their opinions got to me. I started to believe their opinions over what I knew was the better call to make. Their opinions led to part of my beliefs about behavior, or maybe a better way to look at it is they strengthened my beliefs about behavior, but not in a way that was going to help me, but in a way that was going to hold me back. So this was until I learned more about behavior and a whole lot more about who I am and who I want to be as an educator. See, we see behavior and understand it through our lens, which is why it is so important to understand these next three steps. We have to understand that behavior is a solution. It is not a problem. We also, you know, I also recommend that you understand that what I see is never the whole picture. And the last part is the only behavior I can truly change is my own. And so when we know how to break down the beliefs that we hold about behavior, when I know that, wow, I, I look at this behavior as good and this one as bad, when I know that, then I can do better. We know that. We know that about so many things. So let's apply that same framework to behavior. When we unpack the bias that we have to behavior, then we can expand and deepen our connections with our students and build the relationships that we hear about that are so important and we hear every single day. This is one way to do that. But in order to see a student as the whole child and not just a student demonstrating challenging behavior in my class, I have to know what is my mindset, what is my beliefs, what is my bias around behavior, where did that stem from, and how do I unpack that to truly make me a stronger educator every single day? All right, so let's bring that into then life lesson number four, which is trust that I am the leader of my classroom or that my I am the leader in my role. I am a leader. If you want to simplify it, you could simplify it to trust that I am a leader. See, I used to think that leadership was a future goal. I'll be a leader when fill in the blank until I realized that I'm already a leader now. And so are you. We're all leaders in different ways. Students are leaders, too. 
I remember feeling like I always had something to prove during my first few years of teaching. In all honesty, I still have that thought sometimes. The difference though, between now and then, is that now it's a quick thought that I can quickly rewrite in my head so that the actions I take to help me, help me grow instead of helping me stay afraid or staying behind that barrier of fear. You are a leader. An easy way I remember this is I keep the statement, I am someone who, at the forefront of my mind. One of my mentors, Marley, taught me this and I've been hooked ever since. See, if we keep something in the future, it stays in the future. Therefore, I've learned to bring those qualities into the present day. It's not one day I'll be a leader or I can't wait for the day that I'm a leader. It's I am someone who is a leader today. I am the exact leader that my students deserve. I am leading every single day. Side note for those of you listening that if you are interested in learning more about being a leader in your classroom with confidence, this is perfect timing for you. That is the topic of the Creative Connections monthly membership this month. By the end of the month, you will have created a classroom manage, classroom leadership plan. See, I, I even got there with my own. There is a difference, a distinct difference between a management plan and a leadership plan. And yes, we're going to cover both. But you're going to create a leadership plan. You're going to write your mission statement as an educator. You're going to identify your personal values and so much more. If you're interested in information, head on over to defineuniversity.com, click on the services tab, or as always, send me a message. Being a leader is not something we need to be afraid of. It's not something we need to hide behind. It's something that we need to shine into. It's something that we need to live into because you are such a leader already today. Listening to this podcast, where you are with what you have, you are a leader. So let's stand confidently. Let's stand and, and own the decisions we're making with confidence so that we can stop wasting energy on, on second guessing ourselves and instead love what we are doing every single day, being fueled by the passion. The reason we went into teaching is that to me is a much better place to be so that I can be better today than yesterday. And I can learn through today to grow into tomorrow which leads us right into life lesson number five, which is very simply, but sometimes the hardest one for me to do is to have fun. I was always an all or nothing type of person. All work, no play, all play or no work, right? If I started a new eating plan, I went all in. There was no 80-20 rule, it was 100 or zero. And this happened over and over and over again in my life until I couldn't do it anymore. Now. I still aim for 100, but I aim for 100%, and that 100%, it's always me. And part of me includes having fun. One of the topics we talk frequently about in Ignite Your Legacy, which is my 12-week coaching mastermind, is, is are we having fun each day? Are we celebrating? Are we doing something for us because we want to? And often, I will get looks like, well, I did something last month. Or I'm gonna, I'm planning on it. And guys, I am just as guilty. Part of that is because things like this, recording podcasts, connecting with educators, they are fun for me. And while it's part of my role as the founder of Define You, it is also something I enjoy. But I have to remember that I can also have fun in other ways. Some things I like to do, dance parties with my daughter, going for walks, getting coffee with friends, and yes, I am crossing my fingers, I can do this again soon, 
watching Hallmark movies. Yes, I am all for them. The predictability, that is so me. I love it. Absolutely. So one thing I remember to have fun is, you know, again, I said it's, this is a work in progress for me, but I have to put it on my calendar. And, and that might sound silly. It might sound random, but it helps to remind me to embrace fun on a daily, weekly basis. You know, if not, you know, again, I want daily. So I used to think monthly and now I'm like, no, we need to have fun every day. We need to have fun in our lives. We need to bring joy. So I will write fun on my calendar throughout each week to ensure I am doing something for me. I also have a joy list that I keep in my phone to help me with ideas if I get stuck on a certain day. So those are, those are it. There you have it. Those are my five life lessons for anyone. So to recap those, number one, don't let the word new hold you back. Number two, get out of shouldville. Number three, know your own behavioral beliefs and bias. Number four, trust that you are the leader of your classroom. And number five, have fun. If you love this episode, please consider rating, writing a review and subscribing. I would also love it if you would share it out on social media. All the information for Creative Connections monthly membership is in the show notes and you can find all the information on my website, defineuniversity.com. And until next time, everyone, have an amazing week ahead. And as always, we will talk soon.